Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What, what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives. What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic. You know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes. Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. It is the nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR Sports Radio 550. NBA playoffs. Anybody else big NBA fan? We've got no Giannis, no Trey Young. So what am I watching? Middleton and Collins? What a bummer. I love the NBA playoffs, the late stages of the NBA playoffs, and last year it didn't feel the same because it was the bubble, and now this year there's no LeBron, there's no Steph Curry, there's no Kawhi Leonard, there's no Giannis now, there isn't even Trey Young. I got Chris Paul though, so I guess I'm not totally bereft of, uh, of stars. That was a bummer leading into tonight, but... Got a good show for you tonight. We'll uh, hear a little bit from Don Granado and Kevin Adams, their Zoomer press conference uh, from earlier today here on WGR. Didn't really get a lot out of it, did we? I thought we got more from Granado when he was on with Show Open the Bulldog. A lot about the young players, a lot about his journey getting here, his mindset, his way of thinking for development. That is really where he hit the right notes, I thought. I think this was the right hire. In my mind, this was always the right hire. That became evident after a few weeks of Granado being on the job. It's just the way he thinks the game, the way he thinks development, it doesn't mean he'll be the coach that leads the Sabres to a Stanley Cup. But, man, that is so far gone right now. That is so far out of our brains. We are just trying to get to be respectable. And the path to doing that is all these young guys. I put together, just playing around, didn't take me all that long. I didn't put any serious thought into it. Five to ten minutes. Like, how young can I get the Sabres roster for opening night? 
how young can I make it? And for context, the youngest Sabres team in team history was the 1987-88 Buffalo Sabres. Their average age was 25 years, 5 months, 19 days. I managed to put together an opening night lineup for the Sabres, whose average age is 23 years, 1 month. Two, over two months younger than the youngest Sabres team ever. And I don't know how unrealistic this team is. I think this could be likely that a team the Sabres put on the ice looks similar to what I put together on capfriendly.com's armchair GM tool. But it depends, of course, what they get back for Eichel, what they get back for Reinhardt, what they get back for Ristolainen, and whether these future pieces that it seems as though the Sabres are going to be getting, or they are searching for, are ready to play in the NHL. Are they guys that might need a year of development? They might be high-level prospects, but are they not quite ready to make the jump to the NHL? Or are they ready to arrive on the scene? For the sake of the, the exercise, I just picked a team. Let's pick the team. This doesn't have to be the most likely one. This doesn't have to be your favorite trade for Eichel. But I sent him to Vegas. I sent him to Vegas, and I got back a couple of prospects, Peyton Krabs, Cody Glass. Picks two, of course. But those two guys would be players that would be in the Sabres lineup at 20 and 22 years old. You've got Cousins. You've got Middlestat. You've got Thompson. You've got Rootsalainen, who's not that old. Had to throw a Reinhardt trade in there. Ended up getting Liam, Liam Foudy back, a prospect from the Blue Jackets organization that's ready to play in the NHL. That's a young guy, 21, I think. Again, you have another report today. Well, it's more of a comment than a report from Matthew Beneers, who's one of the who might be the top center picked in the NHL draft. He goes to Michigan, so does Owen Power, who everyone expects the, t- the Sabres to take first overall. Benier says today that Power's leaning towards going back to Michigan, so is he, and that he's very excited for the Michigan season next year. But he says Power is leaning towards going back. But I still think there's a chance, at least a chance if not a good chance, that Owen Power is in the Sabres lineup next season. I think he's ready to make that jump. So it's just dependent on whether or not the Sabres can convince him to make the leap. So I put him in there. I put him in there. That blue line, man, could be so young. The whole thing. The whole thing could be super young. Dalene, Yoki Haru, Bryson, Samuelson. Borgen might end up being the oldest guy. He's hardly played in the league, but he's 24. He might be the oldest one. They'll have to hit the cap floor. That's really what should be said here. They will have to hit the cap floor. So there will be some veteran players on this team. You're going to get your modern-day Andre Mazaros. If you don't remember Mazaros, veteran defenseman, probably shouldn't have been in the NHL anymore. 2014-15 Sabres were tanking. They needed money on the books to reach the cap floor. So what did they do? They went out and they signed Andre Mazaros who I can't believe they thought was any good and certainly didn't think had any part to play in the future of the organization. But they needed to give somebody a check. 
So they called up Mazzaro's agent and they said, we'll give you one year, $4 million. And he took it. And he played for the Sabres. He was terrible, but he accomplished a goal. He got them to the cap floor. There will be an Andre Mazaros on this team. There will be a guy that they have to sign that every fan and everyone on Twitter is going to go, why did they just do that? And the goal will be because they just need to pay somebody. But this team is going to be guys, the, the important players, I think, are going to be players on entry-level contracts. That's how Adams continues to sound. Kevin Adams continues to say that the organization wants players that want to be here. And the harsh reality is that the, in the current state of the franchise, the way things have been the past few years, this is not all on Kevin Adams, but the harsh reality is the only players that are going to want to be Buffalo Sabres are the players that have to be. Are the players that they draft and that have entry-level contracts, have no bargaining power, are years away from any type of free agency, and they are not to, not stuck might be too strong a, a term, but they're embedded, they're in it. The guys that don't have a choice are the guys that want to be here. Bulldog made a great point earlier when when Paul was on. I mean, the Sabers can say all they want; they want guys that want to be proud to be Buffalo Sabers. Owen Power is sitting at home. You think he's dying to be on the Buffalo Sabres? Do we really think that? Do we think Do we think that Matthew Beneers is hoping the Sabres can get their hands on him at three? I'm not saying they would be miserable or they would be unhappy to come here, but this is the, this is the furthest thing from some destination. You know how you get players to want to come here? You turn the organization around. And I think they're taking the proper steps towards doing that. They're hitting the reset button. But I just don't like the thinking that, well, it's the player's fault for not wanting to be here. It's not Jack Eichel's fault he doesn't want to be here. It's not Sam Reinhart's fault he doesn't want to be here. It's not Ristolainen's fault. It's not, it wasn't Larson's fault. They've been in it. They've been losing. They're sick of it. How could you possibly expect Jack Eichel to, how could you possibly expect Jack Eichel to not want to see if there's greener pastures? His career is flying by. He's already been in the league for six years. I know it feels like it's been, it hasn't been that long, but six years in the league. And he hasn't played an important game yet. I would question his competitiveness if he did want to be a Buffalo Sabre. If he did not ponder the idea of getting out. If he did not make it clear that he is upset and frustrated to be a part of this organization. I would question his competitiveness if he didn't do that. If he was happy to be a Buffalo Sabre. He's from Boston. He doesn't have local ties. He's been a great player. He was in the MVP race. They wanted him to take a jump in his play, and he did. He went from really good first-line center in the league to 
if the Sabres had been a playoff team two years ago, Eichel was going to win MVP. That's how good he is. He will go somewhere else, and if that team is relatively good, he will be in the MVP conversation. That's how good of a player he is. How could you expect him to be proud to be a Buffalo Sabre? It's not a fair ask. That's where... I, I, I guess I want the organization to own that a little bit, but I don't know if that's a fair ask either because they need to they need to trudge on. They need to keep going. And sitting and stewing and what's happened in the past under different general managers and different head coaches, I, that doesn't accomplish anything. I think they at least recognize the situation that they're in. They just don't necessarily sound like they... Like, when I hear Kevin Adams say the, the things that he says about players that want to be here, I, I just don't, I don't know what you're trying to say there. I don't know what you're trying to accomplish. I think you want to get to that point as an organization, but it's unfair to expect anybody right now to be dying to become a Buffalo Sabre. The team, and it, the team should be aspiring to become a destination city. To become a destination team. To become the team that Jack Eichels and Sam Reinhartz will want to play for. And if they have to go to fix that problem, so be it. And that, it seems to be, is the smart move. But the solution is not finding the best players that want to come here. Because you are limiting your player pool if you're doing that. The, de- the goal should be becoming the team that everybody wants to play for. Because if nobody wanted to play here, what am I supposed to do? Am I not going to sign anybody? Am I only going to sign AHL players that are just happy to be in the league? You're not going to go anywhere thinking like that. The goal needs to be I am going to become the team, the destination that Eichels and Reinhardt's want to play for. Because, frankly, the Sabres are not that team. They are not that organization right now. They don't deserve the reputation that players would go there and be proud to wear their jersey. They need to become that team. And I think the Granado hire and the steps that Kevin Adams has taken in the direction that this team is going down, which is, again, hitting the reset button and starting over, building it back up from the foundation. That's the way you accomplish this goal of becoming a destination, of becoming respectable. I don't even need to become a destination. Just get me to respectable. And the way to do that is to tear it all down and to build it back up. And this might be... Tough word to hear. They're entering a rebuild. Then maybe the teardown is over. Or the teardown is just about to happen, and it's not going to last all that long. You know, what What happened when McDermott and Bean came in here? It happened pretty quick, didn't it? Watkins got traded. Darby got traded. Darius got traded. Tyrod was here for a year, and then it was all kind of torn down pretty quickly. McCoy got cut. Like, it, it happened fast. Here probably going to be the same thing. I'd still bet on Eichel, Reinhardt, and Ristolainen all not being here opening night. 
what other dead not ooh, I almost said dead weight. They're not dead weight. But what other pieces do you have to move on from? Where you just you have to do it. You don't. You've got your young pieces here. You're not moving Darlene. You're not moving Yoki Haru. You're not moving Owen Power or Cousins or Middlestat. I think you're not I think you're not moving Middlestat. I guess you can make a case they should move Olsen. But I'm kind of forcing it at that point, aren't I? The guys you got to move, they're going to move. And that's why next season seems hopeful and seems optimistic, even though they're not going to be good. They're not going to be good. But why will it still be a positive season? Because it's no longer going to be about piecing everything together with duct tape and trying to squeeze your way into the postseason. It's going to be, again, about just just let's get let's get on the right track. Let's get on the path. And as long as there are indications that that is happening by the end of the season, it doesn't really matter what the record is. It becomes more about the individuals. It becomes more if I could make another Bills comparison, the 2018 Bills. What were we looking for in 2018 from the Bills? We were looking for signs from Josh Allen that he was going to be the franchise quarterback because that in, in football is what ultimately matters. And that's what you'll be looking for this season with the Sabres. Is Cousins showing signs that he's a top six center in the league? Is Middlestat showing signs that he can be as good as he was last season, can be a 20-goal scorer in the league, can put up 50 points? Is Thompson showing that he could be a middle six contributor on the wing? Is Rutzelainen continuing to score goals and show that he can be a contributor going forward? Is Darlene and Yoki Haru still looking like a pairing, like it's a top pairing in hockey? Is Borgen looking like an NHL player? Like, those are the things you'll be looking for. That is what next season will be measured by, not by their wins and losses. And that is why a lot of what Granado said today, it, it sounds the way it should. It is the right direction for the club. And Granado, I think, understands the modern game and the way development now operates the days of players spending multiple years let alone even full years in the minors in the AHL especially they're over those players are working out the kinks of their game here in the National Hockey League unless you just don't have room for them because you have a great team which the Sabres don't have that problem you let them, you get them into situations, let them make mistakes, let them learn from their mistakes, and you grow from those mistakes. That's That revolution, again, is another Bills comparison. That happened with quarterbacks. That happened with Josh Allen. Josh Allen's development track was went quicker because he got in right away. He saw what NFL defenses were like. He understood and learned concepts that work on NFL offenses. He learned what he could and couldn't do. And that is what is going to happen, you would hope, with the Sabres this season. It's the way Granado operates his team. That, And we saw it last year. He matched Dylan Cousins up with Sidney Crosby. Why? Not to 
beat the Penguins that night. Who cares about that? Who cares if they beat the Penguins on some random Wednesday last season? Why did Cousins get matched up with Sidney Crosby? So that Cousins could face the elite talent that he should be facing his entire career. He can understand the pace at which Crosby plays, the areas of the ice that Crosby goes to in the offensive end, the speed in which they play in the defensive zone, how they operate on face-offs, what you do without the puck. And let him make mistakes against Crosby so that the next time he knows what happened and he knows what he has to do to correct it. You don't know what you'll do wrong in those situations if your team never puts you in those situations in the first place. That has been the problem with the Sabres and their development. They have not allowed their young players and their prospects to be in those situations. They let Olofsson rot in Rochester for a season and learn nothing. They kept... Do I want to use Bailey and Baptiste for this? I'm hoping I can find a different prospect for it. But the, the more general point I want to make is... Let even your secondary prospects, let them crack the lineup and find out what they can do, what they can't do, where they need development, and the gaps they need to fill to become NHL players. The way you find that out is by playing them in the NHL. The blue line is really where I should have went for that, right? Borgen, Bryson, those guys were being benched over Matt Irwin at the beginning of last season. And that's been going on for years, where these old veterans that mean nothing to the organization are playing valuable minutes that the kids should be playing and learning from. Granado is going to give the kids the minutes. He's going to give them the opportunities. And that is the direction this team needed to take. And that's why he was the right man for the job. Because any of these other coaches, man, I would have been, I would've been not would not have been confident they would have done the same thing. Because if you've got Rick Tockett as your coach, if you've got Bruce Boudreau even, if you've got, of course, Tortorella, Gallant, Julien, all of those guys, you know what they're doing? They're not playing Dylan Cousins against Sidney Crosby. They're playing Cody Eakin against Sidney Crosby. Because he's the veteran. He's the guy that's that's not going to make the mistakes, even though he does, but it's just a narrative that surrounds with, you know, with those players. He's going to play Gergensen's against Sidney Crosby because he's done it before and he knows what to do. Meanwhile, the young guys are just sitting at the end of the bench learning nothing, not approving at anything. This team needed to become about the development of the young players. Granado is the right man for the job. That is the direction this team needs to take going forward. It's the only way they will become the team down the road that Jack Eichels, Sam Reinhartz, and Rasmus Ristolainen's will want to play for. It's the only way. Because they are not that team right now. 8030550 is the phone number. Also, I've got a poll question up on Twitter. Wasn't going to really make it a show topic, but if you want to give me an answer, if you want to give me uh, your, your take on this question, feel free to give me a call and we'll get you on the show. In a hypothetical world where the Sabres could salvage their relationship with Jack Eichel, 
Would you want them to do it? You can vote at Sneaky Joe Sports. You can call in at 803-0550. We'll hear some from Granado and Kevin Adams as we progress. It's the nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. You know, I stopped myself from thinking of that, quite honestly. And I guess if I didn't get this job, I would have been a little little upset. I'd be very upset with it. You know, however I would have taken it, I don't know. But, you know, I, I don't like playing hypotheticals. I feel confident that I would have found a place within our game. I've been fortunate to have developed lots of relationships with lots of great people in our game and, and learn and be around great people that I really felt confident and I would end up somewhere that I would find some enjoyment in. And, and primarily because Kevin and Terry and Kim gave me such a great opportunity to, to be the interim head coach. And many times I've had years of experience, but I've never had that opportunity. And to have the 28 games of opportunity you know, really helped me out personally uh, on a professional side of, you know, that's a, a heck of a thing to have on your resume. Don Granado, good stuff from him today here on WGR. You can find his press conference in full, which we'll play a portion of it in a minute. WGR550.com, Odyssey app. Um, ooh, we got, you know what I missed today? Urban Meyer getting fined. Well, let's see. We got the Niners being fined, the Cowboys being fined, the Jaguars being fined. Urban Meyer got fined $100,000. OTA violations. Okay. I thought, I, I said levy. I saw the word levied, and for some reason I read lied. I thought Urban Meyer was already lying to the NFL about something. Um, that guy. That's going to that's gonna fall apart. Uh, 8030550 is the phone number. Joe DiBiase here on WGR. We'll hear some of Granado's comments, part of them, um, when he was on his press conference with Kevin Adams earlier today. That'll be on the way. But got a couple things. We're just kind of going over the outlook, the future of the organization under Granado, his future, his way of looking at development. I love the way he's looking at development. Um, I'll play a clip here that really, I think, encapsulates what – this is not from the press conference that we'll hear in a little bit. Um, this is from with Chopin the Bulldog. The way Granado looks at development is the way I think teams should be looking at development. So pl- play this on that to kind of wrap up that point. And then the Twitter question that I posed to callers, if there was a hypothetical world that the Sabres could salvage their relationship with Jack Eichel, would you want them to do it? That has become way more on the side of salvage than trade him. 73% say salvage him, 26% say trade him. But anyways, we'll get back to that in a second. The reason I'm so hyped for the way Granado looks at development, I think he really describes it in this 51-second clip. Exponentially more development with a player entering the league and because you, you see more players and the need for more players to enter the league now than ever before. It has a lot to do with how the cap has worked its way out over the course of years. And there's more turnover in our industry. So it all kind of goes hand in hand. But players entering the league, they have to develop skill all the way up to the point they're drafted. I mean, you're not going to be drafted if they don't have skill. But that's only part of your development. You know, how you can find a way to help a team win in the NHL is totally different than developing your skill. That's a process that typically would take some time, you know, in the minors. But transferring that skill and that skill set into the NHL, that's a process that never had to take place at the NHL level. And again, now because of the speed of, you know, entry into the NHL, it is. That's Granado. 
I think he nails it. 803-0550 is the phone number. Let's take some calls on Eichel, the trade situation, Granado. It's all on the table for you. Let's go to Jonathan and Alden. You're on the nightcap. What's up, Jonathan? Hey, Joe. Um, about your Twitter poll question, I'm, not, I'm, I'm kind of torn on it, and it really depends what the Sabres get back in return. I mean, Jack Eichel's a great player, and obviously I would like him back. However, if, if I'm also really excited to see what we get back if we could um, – because I'm also I'm looking at the NHL. Um, I'm like I see players like Matthews, um, Mar- uh, uh, McDavid. All the top players seem to not get past the first round. And meanwhile, Montreal, a sub 500 team in the regular season, got to the finals. So, a bunch of questions about whether or not I want to see um, Al- Michael Salvage or trade it if we could. It really depends what we get in return. All right, I, I think. The return part of it is, of course, the more, most important piece, right? If they got Zegris in the third pick, I, I don't know how you say no to that, even if you can salvage it. Because the thing about salvaging the relationship is, for how long? H- how long is that going to happen for? Is he okay with hopping on a rebuild? Because it's one thing to say... To get Eichel to say, all right, I'm 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 all in on next year. It's another thing to get him to buy into a futuristic outlook. To get him to accept another year or two of non-contention as you build up the prospect pool. And as you build up the new core of the team. And again, I don't think that's a fair ask of Eichel. And maybe that's why they're headed for a divorce regardless. Because... The direction this team is about to take, they would never expect Eichel to be okay with that, would they? Jack's going to be 26, 27 by the time this process is over. That's half his career, if not more. I don't even think you could reasonably expect him to be on board with that. I, I wouldn't. I absolutely wouldn't be on board with that if I was Eichel. But it's the, it's the direction the Sabres need to take. And that's why maybe the answer is you trade him regardless. It's not about the relationship. It's about the Sabres are about to go in one direction. And Eichel is going to want to go in another direction. Eichel wants to win. And the Sabres, right, for the next year or two, they can't care about making the playoffs. They can't make decisions based on making the playoffs. I mentioned that Cousins... Crosby example in the last segment. You can't put Cody Eakin up against Crosby because you think it gives you a better chance to beat the Penguins on Tuesday night. You need to put Cousins in that situation because the most important thing is getting these guys going and having them grow. And that is those are not decisions based on squeezing into the playoffs. So it's just you're on two different paths, I think. 8030550 is the phone number. All right, let's hear some from Don Granado on with uh, with Kevin Adams on his Zoom call earlier today being introduced to the Buffalo media. Competitiveness of your group, uh, the clarity. You know, we we were able to make adjustments in between periods. We had back to back games against the same opponent, which was great advantage for me as a coach because I could put things in front of the players and see the speed of their ability to make an adjustment. And it got faster and faster, which is a real indicator of progress and skill overall. Uh, so 
to me, th there were lots of signs of real strong potential, um, or strong signs of, of the actual potential that's there. It's just moving them, it, it continually move them in the direction uh, in many areas we saw through the better parts of last season. The big one is finding a way to win. Uh, you know, I always talk about don't wait to win. And you think about the teams in the Stanley Cup finals. Uh, <laughs> there's one surprise team in there, I would imagine, to a lot of people. And for, for us, we, we can't wait to win. Every single night you lace up your skates, there's a way to win that hockey game. And there's a way to find that. And I think our players, I know our players uh, started to see that and, and see the parts of the game that are within their control. And I know when they were able to evaluate the game, which is a, a big process of development, the ability to evaluate the game at the level of the players, uh, they, they were able to evaluate the game right after and, and feel that the game was determined or not determined with things they had in their control and they either controlled them or they didn't, but they had the, they had the ability to do it. That's where you saw our players play with more confidence and conviction. Uh, and, and that's a, so again, that's a, those are components that are already in place that we'll keep building on and our players grasp and have a real great, as a coach, you want to bring clarity to the vision you want. Those guys, those guys have a real good clarity right now. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Don. Congratulations once again. Uh, Pete Gallivan from Channel 2. Uh, just one, I mean, I know a lot of the strings were going to be pulled by Kevin, obviously, but uh, Don, when you look at the possible trades that have been discussed um, and the potential draft currency you're looking at with the number one overall to get to that, you know, end result, turn this team around. What pieces do you think you're lacking right now in turning this team into a winning team and potential uh, playoff team? Well, thanks Pete. Uh, there's a lot of pieces I, I believe strongly in that are entering the organization. You mentioned some of the, you know, Anders Bjork is an example, just entered the organization. Um, you know, we have uh, Jack Quinn, who's, who's at some point going to be entering the organization. Uh, uh, UPL is really entering the organization. Uh, you know, JJ Paterka just signed. So, you know, it, you factor in what we have, and maybe if you look at areas that we want to target and improve, and then you factor in, you know, Matthias Samuelson, maturing and coming into the league there's so many exciting things and pieces that will fill and become more capable at filling areas uh, that you will you would see on a real winning roster a uh, real successful roster so and then you mentioned any potential trades we could have um, you know it, it to me anything and everything is exciting because of where we're at we we have we have a lot of uh, potential in the form of talent that's in place to make big steps in a very short span. And I've had a lot of experience, been fortunate to be around a lot of uh, extremely talented hockey players, um, you know, Austin Matthews and Matthew Kachuks and Charlie McAvoy's and Wierenski's. And, and I saw those kids develop fast from 16, 17, 18 years old. And now I look at our player pool and, and uh, it is really exciting for me with the hindsight I have and the experiences I've gone through. Um, it's exciting. And, and, and the intangible components. I mean, you know, our, our, our scouts and player personnel 
you know, talent does not equal effectiveness and it doesn't equal success. There's, there's all those intangibles that go with it. And when I meet these kids and I work with these kids and we see these kids, they have a lot of intangibles, a lot of things that you just can't quantify that go into everything I said about the passion and commitment. Uh, and so we do have a lot of really good pieces coming and it goes, ties right in with why I wanted this position so badly um, because that, all of that is exciting. Hi, John. Uh, congrats on removing interim from your title. I think it's really well-deserved. Um, I want to go off of the pieces that you're excited about for, uh, that, that are coming into the organization. Um, prospect development is kind of something that's been a little inconsistent in the organization for quite some time now, uh, to be blunt. Um, and, but the young guys really bought into you, it seems like, at the end of last year after you took over, almost as much as the fan base has bought into the Donnie Meatballs nickname. So pun fully intended. What's your secret sauce for player development uh, that worked last year? And how maybe are you adjusting that uh, for your first year as a full-time head coach? Yeah, th thanks, Jake. Um, sometimes when you're talking about player development, it's, it's what you don't say or don't do as much as what you, what you do. And I think of, you know, Darlene Rasmus, for example. You know, there are things that, that it, it, he just – I, I felt with a little more freedom, we'd see a lot more in certain areas. So, um, you know, there's a balance to, to coaching uh, a team outright and then and coaching with the, with a focus on development. Uh, so a lot of intricacies go into it. Uh, every person's different. Every person's at a different position within the, their trajectory and their movement forward. So uh, every player has a different identity. You know, you have to help them, uh, not only find their identity because their identity is at the previous level they played, you know, they had a skill set that was maybe 10 different skills at the college level or the junior level. And they come to the NHL and those, that skill set at 10, you know, maybe speed was their attribute at the, at the previous level. And they scored 30 goals because they had great speed, but they're not fast in the NHL. So they're not going to score those goals. And it's helping them recognize what they can and can't do supporting that. And, and, you know, giving them reason to be confident moving forward. Um, so again, each guy it's, it's different for, that's kind of the fun. There's a, there's a little bit of an art to it, uh, a read to it. Um, and then you have to factor that in against your opponent each night and every night who you may match them up against. Uh, so, so lots of little details go into it, but the, the objective is to just keep moving forward step-by-step, step, uh, making sure they know when they leave the rink, they're excited at what just happened. They're excited to come back to the rink the next day and invest more. Uh, you know, you, you as a coach are limited on how much you can push a player. And uh, you, there's a lot of things you do to be able to push them more. It's, it's not like it was 20 years ago when you can run a dictatorship, uh, you know, coaching at this level. You, you can't, you have, you have a little less power and it's more in the form of influence. So you better know how to, you know, influence and be a positive influence to guys where they want to invest more. And that's a huge part of development. And, um, you know, it's, uh, but, but who doesn't as a hockey player, these kids are, these guys are passionate. Who doesn't want to get better? So if we can help them get better and engage in that process individually, uh, that usually works. We'll hear more from Don Granado and Kevin Adams when we come back. Last call in the nightcap after this on WGR. Welcome back to the nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR for a couple more minutes. Let's hear more from Don Granado. His Zoom call with the media included Kevin Adams as well right here on WGR. 
Paul Stockman with uh, the CBS station here in Buffalo. Um, good to see you again, and congratulations. Um, I uh, just wanted to ask, I know you kind of answered this already uh, in some of the earlier questions, but perhaps you can elaborate. Last year, even though you were, of course, an assistant coach under the previous administration, really wasn't quite your team. You were taking over a team that was built by a previous coach. So with a full offseason ahead of you, the draft, free agency, et cetera, and, you know, offseason practices, training camps, et cetera, now under your leadership, how much different or what will a fully or a fully led Don Granado team look like next year after, like I said, these offseason moves and these offseason practices? Well, when I was offered the position by Kevin, Obviously, we, we, we talk about winning right away. And, and my, my was, we, we talked about that, con, you know, that, that word and winning. I said that, you know, I, I don't know when, you know, you can go after one win and chase one win or chase analytics and try to correct one component of your game. But if you just, and I've said it a hundred times, if you just keep making things better and improving people, uh, you, you'll, you'll hit that threshold and win consistently. And, and that's what we want. And that's the direction we'll continue to go. Um, you know, you're, you're as a head coach, and I'm, I'm so much more comfortable being a head coach. I've done it longer. Uh, you, you, you set the narrative in each day and each morning. Um, you, you get to read and react and, and um, you, you know, and, and make certain decisions that you can't, uh, uh, you know, in, in other positions. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I love that. You know, I've, again, I've had lots of experience in that, whether it be starting franchises or jumping in midstream and replacing people. It's, it's a nice position to be in because the vision you have, as long as you can bring some clarity to it, uh, it it's a lot of fun. And so for us and our team, we want to make sure, and I've said it many times, this game, at its, when it's played right, is really entertaining. And, of course, we're going to win and, and, and play to win and try to win. Uh, and compete to win. That's why we why are practicing so hard committing. But in that process, you got to it's got to be entertaining. And when it's when it's entertaining, that means that means you're playing with passion and energy and the players love that. So it, it's not as much. It's not just we want to be entertaining for the fans. It's for us, too, as a as, as a group of players, you know, lay it on the line, compete as hard as you can. Uh, we'll learn more from that if we do lose than if we didn't play with that type of passion. Now you're the next day, your meeting's all about playing with more passion, not the X's and O's. So, you know, X's and O's are a significant part of the game, but they're really a simple part of the game. Um, you know, the people dynamic and, and the other dynamics that I've spoken of are so crucial uh, to advancing. But the one thing to conclude, you will see continual progress with our team. I'm convinced of that. I know that. Uh, so, you know, I don't get mixed up in the day to day. You got to be in the moment. And, and attack the moment with everything you have, but you have to move on to the next moment. Uh, and, and we will do that in a progression in a progressive way and get better every day. I know that for sure, for sure. Don, all right. It's a portion of Don Granado. If you want to hear his, his full comments from today, uh, check him out at WGR550.com and the Odyssey app. Don't you like how in there he, he readily admits, I don't know if I should like this. That the X's and O's is really a simple part of the game. I think in hockey it kind of is, I guess. But that was an interesting comment by Granado. He'll give you some stuff. He's he's interesting to listen to. So be sure to head over to our app and uh, do that. 
That's going to do it for me tonight. I am filling in for One Bills Live, so you can hear more of me tomorrow at noon. Uh, Good stuff planned for tomorrow during the day. So until then, everybody have a good night, and I will talk to you tomorrow here on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.